everyone. Welcome to the PE Talks Africa podcast by the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association, otherwise known as AFCA. I'm your host, Persia Castellani, and I am here with Albert Alcina, founder and CEO at Mediterranean Capital Partners, to discuss exiting Africa and their major headlines on executing seven exits in the last 12 months. So thank you, Albert, for joining us. Um, could I ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your professional background? Absolutely. And good afternoon, Persia and uh, uh, listeners of the podcast of AFCA. Thank you, AFCA, as well. To organizing the podcast, I think it's great. But we are disseminating, you know, knowledge, know-how, and some of our experiences across the, across the, the continent. Look, uh, my experience has been mainly... Uh, coming from an operational background. Um, I spent uh, the last 20 years of my life uh, managing businesses in emerging markets. And uh, I think that's what makes a big difference when investing in private equity in Africa. Uh, It's very critical that uh, investors understand that this is not a financial play and this is more an operational play. I think being able to help companies to grow to the next level, to create value that they need to do in order to increase uh, their their value as well as you know their you know prospects uh, of growth I think it's uh, the most relevant thing here so my uh, background being more an operational person which I was lucky enough to at a very early age in my career manage PNL uh, managing factories managing growth projects managing international ex- expansions across the board and having also worked and lived in Africa and several countries uh, did allow me to have that perspective on 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 things when investing in companies in African companies you know I, my role at Mediterranean Capital Partners uh, uh, when I founded that with my with my partners in 2014 uh, has been of uh, the uh, leadership role on taking the company Uh, in several aspects to, I will say, a benchmark in the industry. Uh, We have been focusing ourselves on ensuring that we are uh, not only delivering returns, which, of course, that's the main purpose of private equity, returns back to our investors, but also ensuring that the purpose of the organization is to include a huge impact, social impact, and an impact across the continent. You know, we are very proud of that. We have created more than 7,000 jobs. We have, you know, put a lot of uh, gender equality policies across the board. Now, a lot of uh, uh, miti- climate change mitigation and climate change adaptability policies and, and strategies across the portfolio companies. And all of that are, are making us uh, uh, feel proud, not only of, of the returns that we're delivering to our investors, but more importantly, as well as the impact that we have created Across uh, across the continent, you know, and of course, as the as the CEO and founder of the company, my focus has been first of all taking care of my people, taking care of the incredible, of extraordinary team that we have in place at Mediterranean Capital Partners, that is the core of uh, of our success. Second thing is ensuring that the strategy, the investment strategy, it's present and it's clear and it's very well implemented, and then of course. I prefer, uh, I would say, role is to help those companies to grow. That's where I bring a huge value on helping that uh, uh, 
this strategy of, of value creation that it's a model that we have that we copy paste in the companies that we invest. Uh, and all of that, I think it's what, uh, what makes a big difference for us and our firm. And um, you have been challenging all myths of Africa as a weak uh, exit environment recently. So tell us a bit about the seven uh, companies that have successfully achieved exit in the last 12 months. One of those being between us planning this podcast and now, which is very exciting. Look, when we look at uh, our our exit environment, it's also true that uh, the COVID period uh, did not help on the exit processes. And many of those exits were piled up uh, after the COVID uh, uh, happened. Uh, And that's mainly because during COVID, it was difficult to do due diligence. It was difficult to engage with potential buyers. So all of that did not help or contribute on a, I would say, normal exit environment. So you have a big, an element of that, I would say, backlog of exits not being executed. Having said that, I think uh, at the end of the day, we, we have been trying to break up this myth in the, in the continent of the difficulty of, uh, of completing exits. You know? I, I think we have proven that that's possible to execute exits at the same time that you're creating value. And at the same time that we do have a huge amount of macro, you know, uh, uh, variables, which probably are against uh, 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 an exit strategy. Having said that, look, I think we have very well established our exit strategies from the beginning of the investment cycle. Um, with the last 12 months, as, as you have well said, uh, we have exited seven companies, two of them IPOs. Uh, the IPOs to us, I would say, were the most successful ones because we here achieve a number of objectives. The first one is we achieve for the companies a much better way going forward with an additional capital increase for the two of them that allows them to go farther in their growth. Not only this, but also one of the objectives that we have with our LPs also that they have requested that is to ensure that we bring a catalysator effect into the capital markets in the markets that we invest. And uh, we work extremely well with the authorities of the Moroccan regulatory frame, AMMC. We work extremely well with the Casablanca Stock uh, Exchange uh, and also with, uh, uh, you know, all the service providers, the investment bankers, uh, CFG, as well as BMCA, that help us out to put all of this together, you know. So I think the Casablanca market was the one that had the best ecosystem that we could uh, rely on, on this potential IPO exit. So I think we're very proud uh, of, of what uh, we have done. So it has been a major win for the capital markets, for our LPs, because we have returned substantial amount of money at a very healthy double-digit uh, IRRs. It's also been very successful for the portfolio management, as now they have now a strong... Uh, 
company with a strong strategy, with a strong governance to the, of the highest level, and the capacity to keep growing at the pace that they want to do with this financing, additional financing. And it has been a success story for us because we have created a strong liquidity uh, to back to our investors, you know, uh, with uh, uh, both uh, uh, IPOs were oversubscribed. The first one, uh, TGCC, the construction company that today employs more than 8,000 people and is uh, basically building uh, infrastructure across Africa, not only in Morocco, but also in Senegal, in Ivory Coast, uh, to some extent in Gabon, we did uh, a number of projects, hospitals, hotels, uh, airports. We just built the airport of uh, Casablanca, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. And we have a number of very large projects. You know, the backlog, it's it's uh, almost uh, three to four times our yearly sales today. So that's a great, it's a great company that we still own, of course, a, a minority stake uh, that we're slowly, you know, selling through the process uh, of the IPO, of course, uh, but allow uh, the company to continue that growth. So, so that's great news. That company was 22 times oversubscribed, you know, uh, 12 months ago. Uh, the second big IPO has been the group of Agdital, a hospital group of the healthcare sector, has been the largest uh, IPO of the last 14 years in the Casablanca Stock Exchange. Uh, it has been also the first healthcare company in that uh, in the market. And, and, and the story is an incredible one of uh, an incredible or extraordinary leader with, uh, with an ambition which is uh, never seen before, that uh, really wants to bring healthcare to the highest standard in the kingdom of Morocco. Uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Rojdi uh, Talib uh, was a doctor and a group of doctors actually that he led uh, that came to us several uh, years uh, years ago. We believe in the project. We believe on the kingdom. We believe on the stability of the country. Uh, and we put in place a growth project that I think it would be impossible to implement and execute in any other country uh, outside an emerging market because uh, we went from 400 beds and five hospitals to more than uh, 2,000 beds and uh, 15 to 16 hospitals only in a three-year time frame. So that's an amazing achievement that the, that the team of uh, Actital Group managed to achieve. But of course, again here, the company was oversubscribed almost four times, probably in the worst time that you could do an IPO ever because all the macro, macro, you know, inflation, financial devaluation, the, the Ukrainian war, and so on and so forth was all uh, against us on this IPO. But I think we proved everyone wrong and uh, we managed to oversubscribe and we managed to have a very, very successful IPO. Of course, the team of uh, of uh, of Agdital has been uh, the, the, major, the 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 main the main driver of this but of course uh, the team of Mediterranean Capital Partner which is also you know led by my partners uh, Hatim Ben Hamed and Mr Saad Ben Didi and also Mr Mohamed Ali and also Raja Berkia which is in charge of uh, sustainability uh, the the team of 
We have uh, four partners today in uh, in Morocco. A very strong foothold for us. A very uh, well seasoned team that they know how to how to how to not only create the value but how to use the environment, the, the ecosystem of 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 that capital markets to make this happen. So so that's two of the biggest you know exits that we had. That we're very proud of it. We also had. A couple of uh, secondary transactions, people that basically knock at the door for a, a portfolio, uh, and we did that. We sold our Cofina, our our banking financial services uh, institution, uh, back to another private equity firm that they were ready to take the company to the next level. We were happy with that. We we're happy to see that Cofina is, is doing phenomenally well with them. You know, we also had a number of uh, uh, teams. Uh, being backed by private equity firms or by banks to acquire our position. So I think whenever you look at liquidity events, I think that's what's important. It's not about the seven exits that we have achieved, but also about how we have looked at it in terms of the holistic way of looking at exits. You know, Exits is when you manage to get a shareholder's loan repay when you manage to get a coupon of the interest of, uh, of the shareholder's loan, when you manage to have a, a convertible bond with a coupon and you get to pay back that, when you get dividends out of companies that we have actually a number of companies that are delivering dividends every year and that will return back to the investors. I think all of that help us out to, to, to bring liquidity back to the investors. And today the name of the game is liquidity. The African continent, as you have well said, had this myth that exits were challenging. I think it is very important and is the responsibility of the of the GPs to ensure that those liquidity strategies are well placed and that uh, that uh, are well executed. So I, I would say in a nutshell, we do have, uh, as you were asking, exits as an IPOs, two of them as secondaries at strategic sales, and as well as you know teams buying uh, their position back uh, from us. So all of that, plus the dividend distributions, plus the coupon of interest that we had, plus a number of additional liquidity events that we have created, help us out to distribute about $140 million back to our investors. And that's, uh, to us, a major achievement. Wow, very inspiring. Um, and is there a specific strategy that you follow for every investment journey or do you create a unique roadmap for each? Absolutely. When we invest in a company, uh, we start thinking about what will be our exit um, uh, in the horizon. The time frame, the the methodology, as well as the target buyers. So all of that is very, very well crafted and very well designed before we invest. And I think that's the critical, is the critical whenever you set up a, a fund. Because the fund has many, of course, many aspects of, of, of creating returns to the investor, one being the origination, which is extremely relevant to have local presence for me, at least as our strategy, to ensure that we have the best deals. The second one is the value creation, having a model that helps companies to create value 
And we do have a very clear model, uh, the value creation model of Mediterranean. It's, we explain it. It's uh, written in a book. Uh, we have shared with everybody and it's something that everyone can copy. And we are happy to do that because I think it is very critical that in the sector, the value is created across the board. And also, uh, the more successful companies, the more successful exits, the better it will be for all of us in, uh, as a collective uh, industry. And the third one is the divestment strategy. The investment strategy also, it is critical. And as, as important as your origination, as your value creation. And it's the one that has been in the past, and it still is, a, a very difficult one to do. But I think unless you start earlier in your uh, value creation process to implement, uh, 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 we'll say, exit readiness of the company, uh, it is very difficult that after year five, you start that process. You need to start the process. And that's probably one of our secrets of our investment or the investment journey, I would say, is to start after year three. After year three, we realize that the companies have been, create, have been created a lot of value in the companies and the value creation starts to, uh, not to decrease, but to decelerate uh, in terms of the amount of, 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 uh, of value that you create in those uh, portfolio companies. And that is critical when setting up the strategy is to say, look, we look at now a third of the companies to be IPOable. We look at a third of the other companies of the portfolio to be bought by strategic buyers, and we look at another third to be bought by secondary transactions. In the OECD countries, it's actually a much different uh, uh, structure because secondary transactions play a much bigger role than in emerging markets. Uh, secondary transactions, in many cases, particularly the mid-cap and the small-cap, they go to a, more of a secondary transaction exit stream because you have a much larger ecosystem in the private equity industry. You have, you know, private equity is uh, investing in, in venture, in, in growth, in in uh, in, se- in secondaries, in in restructuring, in in second or third and fourth year growth, in in LBOs models. So that means their ecosystem being much larger allows you to have a much bigger buying power from uh, the sector. No? So yes, very important for us to start the journey very early in the process of investment and to have a very clear execution plan on how that divestment will be completed. And just picking up on um, on your secrets that you, you mentioned uh, just now, um, what would you say have been your three driving forces uh, in achieving such success uh, in your results? Look, I think the most important one of all of them by far is the team. Uh, I think the team needs to be trained, prepared, motivated, and aligned. I mean, economically as well, and strategically on divestments. You know, it's, it is very critical that, uh, you know, when discussing with the team, they understand the principles of what are the objectives that we're trying to achieve as a team, as a firm, as a fan. And I think that to me, the team now after 10 years of, uh, 
of being together, actually a bit more than that, because we used to work for for, for another company before we spin off and we created our own firm in 2024 and 2014, sorry, um, is now fully, you know, experienced, prepared, motivated and aligned financially to to complete those exits. So I think team, for me, it will be one of the big driving forces. Uh, this also link when you said alignment of interest, look, we have more than 15 people touching the current interest. So that means that the long-term compensation is very well spread across the team. And I think that is actually for us that uh, that helps on the alignment of interest uh, with uh, LPs and investors. So that would be probably my first big driving force. I mean, we have an extraordinary team at Mediterranean Capital Partners and they are well-focused. The second one, I would say, is you need to have a strong portfolio company. You know, in through the years of COVID, we have seen that strong balance sheets in the portfolio, in the assets, have helped to go through, you know, difficult moments, crisis moments, recession moments that has turned into very positive for us as we have become the leader or, or one of the leaders of each one of those markets. So in each one of the markets, we have been uh, investing in the first, second or third leader that has taken a stronger position and help help uh, with our value creation model to go international. And that internationalization of the companies and that leadership position has has uh, make all of those companies uh, a stronger uh, stronger assets that then helps you in the exit. You know, when you have a good company that is making good money at a good returns and a good pace, you know, you have you find buyers for that. So a strong portfolio with a strong balance sheet, with a strong strategy, I think that's probably our second driving force. And then the final one, which is as equally important, is alignment of interest. The alignment of interest with the portfolio companies, uh, and I'm talking about the alignment of interest not only when we hold minorities or significant minorities, also when we hold majorities. It's very important that it's full alignment of interest on the exit, on creating the value that the management team and the company, you know, wants uh, and deserves. Uh, and that alignment of interest helps tremendously in the discussions of an IPO, in the discussion of a strategic sale, in, in any of the other discussions to ensure that, uh, that uh, we uh, deliver liquid, uh, liquidity events back to our investors. So this will probably will be my, my big three driving forces I would like to share with you. Thank you. And um, I feel like I've been seeing Mediterranean all over the press recently. And uh, I've been reading a lot of articles. Um, and I picked out a quote um, where you once said, despite extremely challenging economic and political times in the world, our portfolio companies in Africa have continued to perform above the rest of the players in the sector. So I wanted to ask you, what have been the three main challenges uh, that you've had to overcome in say the last five years? Um, and how did you overcome these challenges? Look, I think um, it's also true that the macro environment is not in uh, the best uh, on a worldwide basis. But it's also true 
that the macro environment in the African continent has never been, uh, I will say, uh, a sunny day, you know, environment or macro environment. You know, we have been facing so many challenges in the past in Africa when the rest of the world was doing fine. So now when people ask me, you know, how do you see this uh, extremely challenging uh, political times in the world? I'm saying, look, I think nothing is new for us. You know, we have been facing devaluation for many years, for many decades. We have been facing inflation for many decades. We have been facing um, uh, food security for many decades. We have been, been facing even pandemics. Uh, I'm not talking about the, only the COVID, but malaria, by the Ebola, by many decades as well. So we have been facing many, many challenges in Africa for many decades. So, so having said that, you still have, you still have great companies in Africa. You still have great pockets of growth in Africa. You still have great entrepreneurs that they really want to make the difference. We have currently today in our portfolio companies which are do- which are growing double digit every year despite all of those challenges. So I think Africa being one of the fastest growing continents in the world from the demographics with 1.3 billion people to the end of 2050 uh, will be more than 2.5 billion and by the end of the century more than 3 billion so will be more people in Africa than probably in Asia or close to I think we have the demographics which are supporting any growth strategies I think we have the rise of the middle class which are continue to growth and strive you know uh, new uh, uh, standards of living across the board for healthcare, for education, for food security, for for logistics, for housing, for everything, and that growth is what drives private equity in Africa. The growth that will not disappear, the growth that remains there for many more decades to come. So I think all of that remains for us a very positive outcome. We're looking at the challenges to respond to your question. Look, devaluation has been there. And it will continue to be there. So you need to make sure that you mitigate that evaluation with some uh, mitigating investment strategies like export-driven companies, like you know a complementarity of several countries that bring dollar revenues versus local currency revenues. You know, uh, so uh, I would say contracyclical uh, investment strategies to devaluation are very relevant. Inflation, how do you? We manage inflation by ensuring that you have proper policies for for you know uh, salaries uh, implementation by gender equality by proper uh, uh, pay and uh, and holidays and pension and so on, all of those things extremely relevant uh, which are the sectors that you can pass on some of that inflationary pressure that you do have and also linked to supply chain from outside Africa which unfortunately we still have too many of dependency of uh, some of the raw materials that we require. Uh, so devaluation, inflation, you know, the COVID situation that we had over the last uh, several years show was, was so relevant to be have a local presence, you know, that helped us tremendously in managing the companies, being close to them, being able to go and sit down with them on the boards and help them out to set up strategies of uh, cash flows, 
uh, strategy with the banking system, strategy with account receivable, with accounts payable, with the working capitals, with the you know the, the velocity of the of the stocks. Uh, all of those things helps tremendously to overcome those challenges. But I think one of the challenges that will still remain and is still there present is the fundraising environment, and that's only driven mainly uh, by the the um, lack of liquidity on some of the f- previous funds, which I think is something that slowly we're overcoming the industry, and I think we'll see more and more of that going forward, good liquidity events, but also the perception of, of the high-risk perception of Africa as an investment uh, uh, strategy. Uh, we have to overcome that gap between perceived risk of the African continent and real risk of the African continent. And that gap needs to be closed by performance and by education. So we need to ensure that the industry continues to educate the sector and the investor base on the, 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 the lack of, of, uh, of, uh, of valid argumentation for that uh, you know, perceived risk, that in reality, it is not what it is. You know, we do have great companies. Agdital has been a great success company that today has created a huge impact in the in the in the in, in Morocco by providing a good quality of healthcare for everybody with a, an agreement on a, on a public to private partnership agreement that Dr. Talib has achieved with the government of Morocco, being able to provide some of the basic, you know, healthcare uh, functionalities and services. Uh, by the supermarket chain that has grown up to 500 stores, providing good quality food and products of Tunisian origin as well in Tunisia, uh, which, uh, you know, three years ago, we only had like 180 shops. By implementing uh, digital imaging, uh, cardio, sorry, uh, radiology centers across, you know, uh, Egypt, uh, Saudi, as well as Jordan, with now one with 50 clinics, all of those things are basically provided to the to to to, to the continent at a, at a, at a very good pace, and all of that help us out to overcome all of those challenges that we we had. Thank you, Albert, and I think that that brings us nicely onto my next question, um, which is. For any investor struggling to achieve an exit or a fund manager struggling to instill confidence in investors that they will one day be able to achieve a successful exit down the road. What is one piece of advice that you would give to them? The first one is that look at the exit strategy, day minus one of the investment. If you think, and be careful between a good company in a, with a bad deal, or a bad transaction, or a, or a bad company with a good deal. It needs to be a good company and a good deal to invest. And the number one priority of that has to be, can I create value? Can I exit? If you think that none of these two, ans- two questions can be answered, then do not invest. And start thinking about that exit strategy in day one. That will be my first uh, advice. Ensure that your exit strategy, that your divestment execution plan is very well crafted before 
you invest. Don't think that we'll worry about in year five or in year four or in year six, because when you start worrying about it, it's too late to make it happen and too late to get the right returns. Because as you guys know, the relationship within time and IRR, it is extremely relevant. My second advice will be, I think it is important to focus on IRR, but I think it's more important to focus on money multiple as well. So the combination of two. But with all of that, what the investors they want to see from Africa today is a good distribution pay-in. Your distribution pay-in, it tells the investor how quick are you in creating value, how quick and good you are on executing those divestments. And that is a number that you should start all your presentations. You should start your presentation and say, look, my my DPI, my distributions pay in, my liquidity back to you, it's at 40, at 50, at 60, you know, whatever number. This is extremely relevant to make sure that you can get to the next level of fundraising and next level of, of, uh, of, of, of capital to be able to continue your deployment and to your investment strategies. And um, just coming back to kind of your own, your own investments, um, are there any sectors or companies that you're targeting next? Uh, yes, look, uh, Persia, we are, we're very, very keen on healthcare. I think healthcare, it's a sector that requires so much investments and is such of underdeveloped across, I will, I will say, almost the 54 African countries that we really uh, focusing into that. We're focusing into creating these uh, uh, investment strategies uh, near or close to uh, anything that has to do in the healthcare sector. We, are, we have already done a number of investments in the healthcare sector. In fact, I think it's three of them, three, four of them, more than four investments in healthcare of the, four, of the 15 companies that we, what we, that we had in the portfolio. As you know, uh, uh, Persia, we have uh, divested nine of them. Uh, and seven of them only this year, uh, and uh, four of them of our portfolio are in the healthcare sector. So, so that's to me, healthcare is an area that we love, that we know, that we like, and that we can see a huge impact uh, in the continent. So, that will be my first uh, sector. The second one is financial services. We believe that financial services has a huge amount of capacity of growth in many other areas and in many countries. So we're looking at financial sectors very, very, uh, very closely. We like that sector as well. We had done a couple of very good investments in that area. In fact, two investments that we invested and divested, and we created a huge amount of value for the portfolio company, for our investors, and uh, for the management team, and for us as a team. Uh, and the third one that we also continue to like is the education, the high-end education sector, which I believe, as you know, Education is the base of a development of any uh, country, continent. So we still still believe that education will remain a major core business, a uh, major core business. Of course, uh, besides these three large sectors, we continue to look at the FMCG good products that is still driven by the demographics. Uh, we still are looking at as well as logistics and transportation, which is another big sector that requires uh, requires uh, a lot of investments. Um, so we do have uh, a number of parallel strategies to the main ones, but we industrialization is for us something very relevant for Africa, uh, the industrialization of the African continent. We have a great project in Morocco now 
that we have implemented uh, and in some other areas as well, some other countries. So all of that will be our main focus on our next funds uh, that uh, that uh, we are now looking at uh, at the potential uh, the potential close in uh, in the first quarter of the, of next year. Well, thank you so much again, Albert, for joining us. It's um it's been a very inspiring and uplifting conversation just before we head into the new year. Fantastic, Persia, and thank you again to Afka to the great uh, podcast distribution that you guys are doing. I think it's great to share knowledge and to share stories across the board to your to your members and non-members. I think it's fantastic thing that you're doing, and I'm very pleased uh, of this initiative. I look, I'm looking forward to having another great uh, 2023 and uh, and happy new year uh, and happy holidays to all of you. Thank you, Afka. Thank you. And I would also like to thank you, our audience, for listening. If you would like to learn more about Mediterranean Capital Partners, you can head over to their website, which I will add in the description below. And if you enjoyed listening to the PE Talks Africa podcast, be sure to follow us and watch out for our next episode. I hope to see you back here very soon.